Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit's Ramblings, Podcast 142. This time, I couldn't think up what to talk about, and I wanted to get it out a little early. So this time, I'll sort of do just a year in review. Probably not much new for those of you who are regular listeners, but I'll talk about sort of the important games of 2013, at least in my opinion, and games I enjoyed which you might want to consider picking up if you haven't. And in the second part, I will talk about sort of predicted games I think I will enjoy quite a bit, or ones I think you might want to keep an eye out for coming out in 2014, barring that they aren't delayed or something. Hopefully you'll have a good New Year, and a good New Year's Eve, and hopefully you'll enjoy the show. So I sort of made an order for the games of 2013 I kind of want to talk about. It isn't necessarily that, you know, the number one is better than the number five. It's more so that I think number one is probably more important for you to pay attention to if you haven't played it already, and that you might want to give greater consideration to picking up ones which are higher in the list as opposed to lower if you haven't already played them. So in the number five spot, I have Dead Space 3. Since it got the number three, it is obviously the third in a series. From what I recall, you don't really have to play the first two games. There is a previously on that you can watch that sort of gives you highlights of what happened in the previous games if you want to know the full story. But from what I recall of Dead Space 3, somebody could play it without having played the first two games and, you know, figure out the plot just fine. The Dead Space series really has sort of everything you really want in sort of space science fiction horror. It's got just the right amount of shooting elements and scary elements, you know, based around that. It's got a little bit of puzzle solving. Not too much, though. I think the third one had a little bit less than other games. Although I do recall they did add some new puzzle types. Most of them are, you know, fairly simple, and you can just figure them out through trial and error. Or, you know, they're simple push-the-block-here kind of type of puzzles. But I think what is really important about the Dead Space series is that they really have a good sense of sort of tension and movement of the story, I guess you could call it in terms of how they switch from telling a story in this scene, moving into some action, and then moving forward, you know, physically as well as in terms of the story. There's always a good sense of tension and worry, and you want to get, you know, the goals that you are doing done as quickly as you can. And what is, I think, most important in a science fiction horror film is there's always that tension of, you know, what's around the corner. Sometimes it is a little predictable in terms of, you know, what jumps out at you when, especially if you've played the previous Dead Space games. But I think it's really probably top of its game. There are very few other horror-type games that I play that are really 
as scary, as tense, as interesting of a story as the Dead Space series. Number four on my list is also a game, which is technically the third in the series, Bioshock Infinite. It's another shooter-type game, and again, probably falls more into the category of science fiction than not. It's a little bit different for a shooter, though. There is a lot of story in the Bioshock series. The third one introduces you to this whole new sort of city-slash-world type. It's a very different setting than the first two games. There's a lot to see and introduce to the player. The Bioshock series is very good in delivering story, although sometimes it can be a little bit inconsistent in how it presents the story. I remember with the basic game, and even more so the expansion, most of the story tends to happen up front, and then you sort of get little pieces here and there as the story goes on. But more often than not, you have to kind of find the story in bits and pieces of recordings and just general look of what's going on, you know, around you. The Bioshock series is also very interesting in that it gives you some powers you can use along with, you know, various weapons. So in terms of flexibility, you always have quite a bit of choice between what weapons and what powers you want to use. And I think that helps keep things, you know, interesting and fun for the player because you don't get stuck, you know, playing something you don't like. Although resources are limited, so you have to be a little bit careful. I guess I'm sort of getting into a trend here. The third game on the list is also the third in the series. The third one is Batman Arkham Origins. While it is the third in the series, it is technically the first in terms of the timeline, which makes it a little bit unusual. If you are into Batman at all, a lot of the story is really interesting to see. The Arkham series is very good about relating stories of the different characters and what's going on between the characters, sort of what's going on with the city. Although I suppose in terms of depth of, you know, story and what little character development there is in these games, it does fall a little bit short of other games. It's certainly more of a comic book style plot and story than, you know, the previous games I've mentioned. And that there's this thing happening and you have to kind of go solve the thing. And that's about as deep as it gets. However, despite that and despite some of the frustrations I have with the combat in the series as a whole, the game is really good. And basically the whole series is really worth playing if you're into Batman. And if you're into sort of, I guess you could call it a fighting adventure style game. In the number two slot... I have a complete restart of a series, and that is Tomb Raider. I only played like one or two of the previous Tomb Raider games. I was never really into it, but I actually really love this restart. They've taken the character that we know and sort of restarted her in both a way that makes her a little bit more human as well as retaining you know, that original core of what Lara Croft is. They do take it a step forward in that Tomb Raider is actually sort of an origin story of Laura. She isn't the Laura we know until the very, very end of the game. Through most of the game, she's, you know, the core ideas of Laura, but several of her skills and talents are developing along the way. 
I really like that game developers are sort of taking a more cinematic approach to game development. Basically, all of the games in this category really fit well with this, as well as, I think, most of the ones for my 2014 list. And that is, you know, especially with Tomb Raider and the number one game, there's a lot of story all throughout the game. If it's one thing I don't like in a game, it's when they put, like, all of the story sort of up front, and then the rest of the game is, you know, very different from how the game started. I always think that's, you know, not very interesting in terms of somebody who enjoys a good story. But also I think it's kind of jarring to the player to, you know, make a game like that, because then they might really like the first you know, a segment of the game, but as they get deeper in, you know, it changes into something they're not as interested in. Tomb Raider isn't like that. It has good story and a lot of character development all throughout the game. And I think if you were ever interested in Laura Croft as a character, now would be pretty much a perfect time to catch up, play the restart Tomb Raider game, and then, you know, pick the series up from here on, as I plan to do. And for my number one game... This is pretty much a return of a genre that had kind of died out, I would say probably for about 20 years, if not more. And this is the first series of The Walking Dead. Graphic adventures are sort of a storytelling medium, I guess you could call it, which, like I said, died out pretty much 25 years ago. Back in the day, there were sort of arcade games and text games which were sort of like a story that you read and then you decided, you know, how you wanted to shape the story in text. And that evolved and sort of merged into a text graphics adventure, which was kind of like a story with pictures because it would show you a picture of a scene and it would say, you know, in the text box, this is what you see, blah, blah, here's your choices, blah, blah, blah. So The Walking Dead sort of revived this long dead genre and as you know, really modernized it with combining aspects of, you know, fast-paced action where you have to make a quick decision with really, really good storytelling, you know, throughout the game. Because the story is what really holds the graphic adventure, you know, together because you're there for the adventure and the story. So if you are, you know, interested in a really good story, certainly all of these games are very worth it, especially Tomb Raider and The Walking Dead game. And I would say if any of these games were of interest to you, you might want to check out regular reviews of them, as well as checking out my page and seeing where I talked about them in the past and listening to my ramblings about them. And hopefully you'll have happy gaming. So this section probably won't be too detailed. I expect I'll get more into detail about all of these games as we get closer and closer to their launch. A few of them are targeting March. A few of them don't actually have a date yet, you know, outside of 2014. But hopefully these are all games we can have a good time with in 2014. I have ordered them in sort of the amount I am 
really excited about them or, you know, looking forward to them. So I guess the closer you get to the number one, the more I would consider the game anticipated by me. I don't know if you are interested in them, but the higher we go, the more interested I am in the game. In the number five spot, we have another restart of a series, and that is Thief. Thief will be really interesting to see how exactly they restart the series. There were three games in the original Thief series, and this is supposed to be a full restart, so we should see a lot of the events, you know, that happened in the first game, but, you know, slightly differently, because this will be a different world. It's, It's a slightly different time. It's a slightly different character. So they'll be sort of reinventing the series as well as restarting it. But they're going to retain all the elements which made Thief great. And that is sort of a first person, although I think in this one you might be able to do third person as well, sort of sneaking adventure. Back in the day, people used to call Thief a first person sneaking game. I haven't heard anybody use that term in forever. But basically, Thief was really interesting in that, you know, your character was not more powerful than the bad guys. In fact, oftentimes the bad guys were much more powerful than you. And if you did get caught and you did get into a bad situation, more often than not, you would be very lucky if you got out alive. And in many cases, you were just flat out going to die and you you shouldn't even bother to try and fight back because you're just going to die. Because at the really hard settings, you'd be like, one or two shotted, so it was all about staying in shadows and sneaking, trying to do the best you could with the situation and, you know, figuring out what the guards were doing and what was going on with the environment, you know, and basically surviving and trying to achieve your goal, which often was to steal, you know, a particular item. So why Thief will be really interesting to see how exactly they restart it is Thief was the origin of this entire genre But since we've had, I would guess, 15 years since the first Thief released, there's been a lot of change and evolution in the genre of, you know, sneaking type games. So my biggest concern about Thief is that it will seem kind of too old school for people who didn't play the original series. They will possibly even, in fact, say, oh, Thief is just like this other game. And it's like, you know, People like me will know, well, that other game is, you know, three or four generations after the original Thief. But there's somebody who never played it before. You know, Thief might look like it came after somebody that copied the original Thief. So it might seem like old news to them. But I'm very excited to see what they do with the restart and, you know, what aspects they pull in directly from the original series and what they sort of change to modernize to make more interesting And all of those questions will be answered, I believe, in March. And if I'm not mistaken, that will be out for PlayStation 3 and I think 4. And I believe Xbox 360 and probably Xbox One as well as PC. So pretty much no matter where you are, you'll be able to play it if you are interested in that kind of thing. I'm very interested. Like I said, I I hope I won't be disappointed by it being too old school. I'll probably still love it. Because Thief 3 is one of those games I would always go back and sort of replay when I had nothing else to do. So I've been playing Thief 3 for a number of years, just off and on. It's one of those things that that hasn't really been duplicated all that well. There have been a few, you know, sneaky type games that are similar. 
But in my opinion, nothing has really come close to touching the original sort of purity of the stealth that Thief had. After sort of apologize for the game in the number four slot because it is PlayStation 4 exclusive. So there's probably going to be very few of you who will pick it up at launch if you pick it up at all. And that is The Order 1886. The Order looks really, really interesting. It's a brand new IP. It's a brand new world. Basically, the short version of it is they're taking, you know, the time period 1886, but they're adding in all of this stuff because it's basically an alternate world. So there are fast repeating weapons in the trailer video that they showed. One of the characters has sort of a, I guess you could say it's a Tesla-based weapon. It's It's got sort of lightning on it. And it looks like it's going to be like an arc thrower, electrical kind of weapon. And another one has sort of a grenade launcher. But they're wearing sort of old school armor mixed with sort of, you know, modern aspects. And there's sort of a, a gaslight element to the streets around them. You know, there's lamps. But there's also electrical stuff. And in an expanded interview I saw recently, they also showed some airships. So it looks like a really, really interesting world that they've got, you know, that's very different than anything else. They haven't revealed too much about the story. All we know is the Order is sort of a group that has branched off or branched from sort of the Knights of the Old Round Table. And all we really know about what they're doing is they're fighting sort of supernatural creatures. They don't really describe what's going on, but the Creatures that are in the intro video sort of look like werewolves. So it looks like a very cool world and a very cool story. And from the developer interview I saw and what, you know, bits and pieces of news I've seen, they're absolutely going for a lot of story and a lot of really cool details about this new world, you know, all throughout the game. So it should be a very cool story, a very cool new world. And it looks like a pretty fun, you know, shooting type game. If you are into shooters, I believe it is a third-person shooter. So if you're not into that, you you might not be interested. I'm not entirely sure, though. I'm fairly certain it's third-person. All we've seen so far at this time is sort of the first, you know, reveal trailer, which was all in-game footage, but it was all done, you know, in cutscene style, so we didn't see any of the UI or, you know, how combat works or any of that. But I'm pretty sure it was mentioned that it's third-person. Unfortunately, the order doesn't have a release date. I believe they're targeting 2014, hopefully. And like I said, it is PlayStation 4 exclusive. A game that is third on my list, which I'm looking forward to quite a bit. And I think I'll probably spend quite a bit of time in as well, is Blizzard's Heroes of the Storm. It looks very cool. I was... Very briefly into, well, I guess not briefly, I guess it was about six months. But I played League of Legends, and I tried out Dota 2, and I sort of like the MOBA genre, you know, in general. My problem I have with it is that a lot of the hardcore players are really kind of really very elitist. And so you have to have, you know, the exact right build with the exact right equipment. Otherwise, you're a noob and... Why are you dying so much and you're going to lose us the game? And there's a lot of hate and just a lot of elitism about it. With Heroes, Blizzard is going for 
a team-based leveling system. So it doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter if you are, you know, totally killing all of the opponents or if you're hanging back and doing support stuff. So there's a lot of cool stuff going on there. You know, you don't have to stress out about, you know, so-and-so is killing so many more enemies than I am. You know, it's all sort of a team effort. So that really will open up things to, you know, support characters, you know, basically doing support. You know, you don't have to just kill the enemy guys or you don't just have to kill the towers. You know, you'll have options. You can kill the bad guys. You can focus on killing towers or you can focus on, you know, supporting the other people in your team. Also, one of the bigger points that I had that kind of made me not really interested in the other games where they all had a single map. Heroes is going to have three maps to start with more maps planned. And in addition to these maps being very different, they actually have map-oriented goals. So it's not just, you know, a difference of how it looks. You know, it's going to have different things you want to do on the map, different things you want to control, different things you want to watch out for. So that should all be very interesting. Also, it will be, I guess you could say, a lower level of investment required to learn the game. They're getting rid of equipment. They're getting rid of gold earning. It's just going to be what they're calling a talent system. And so you build up your character, you get to a certain level, and then you pick, you know, one of a few different talents. And then, you know, their stats will build up accordingly. So that will really help streamline, you know, a lot of the equipment arguments that happen in other games. They they won't happen because if you pick, you know, a tanking talent for a tanking character... You know, obviously it's going to build up the stats correctly. So hopefully all of those aspects put together will make it a lot more friendly game. You know, the team will act a lot more like a team. There would be hopefully a lot less elitism and hate, you know, and player on player hate, you know, for somebody who somebody else doesn't think is playing right. You know, hopefully it will be a lot more fun and a lot more relaxed. And, you know, I could have a lot of fun with that if that is the case. Heroes doesn't have an official release date, but they did have quite a bit of excitement at the last BlizzCon. They did do some live match streaming. They now have a full site except for forums. They don't have forums yet. I think beta is coming very soon, so I would be very surprised if it was probably much later than sort of second or third quarter of 2014. So I would guess probably sometime between June and September. But like I said, there is no official date, so that's just a guess on my part. My number two game is actually a game in a category that I play, well, kind of not at all, but I did play Tribes quite a bit back in the day, which was sort of similar to this game. This game is Titanfall, and Titanfall is basically a team-based shooter game There are various goals and objectives for your team. And you can run around as just a regular person, or you can get into a giant mech, which is very cool. The main reason why I am interested in playing it, and I currently don't play games like Battlefield or Call of Duty, is that those games tend to be really realistic. I mean, I've never really played them. I just very briefly played a demo of one of the Battlefield games, and I basically tend to die, you know, a ridiculous amount on those kind of games, and I get really lost in terms of where I'm supposed to be going and what I'm supposed to be doing. But Titanfall, having very clear objectives, you know, go here, capture that, hold this point, 
as well as sort of the flexibility between, you know, do you want to fight as your pilot or do you want to fight, you know, in your mech, looks really, really interesting and fun to me. And I think there's a lot of potential there. There's not a whole ton of information about the game yet, but of all of the team-based shooters, it is the only one I've really looked forward to and considered playing in. I can't even remember how long. Like I said, I, I played Tribes back in probably like 99. It came out right before EverQuest. So it's been you know a ridiculously long time since I was really into a team-based shooter game. So we'll see. It looks very cool. It has my attention, and I've already pre-ordered it. It comes out in March. And the number one game, which most people can probably guess if you follow my Facebook page, is Destiny. I played, I believe it was the first two Halo games. I know I played the first one, and then I I think I played the second one. Because I, I had an Xbox back in the day, so I played the ones that were on the Xbox. But when they moved to the 360... I didn't have a 360, so that's where I kind of lost track of the series. Destiny is made by the people that made the early Halo games. 343 Industries took it over from Bungie at some point. I don't recall exactly where. But basically, Destiny is a science fiction shooter. It is mostly first person. They have some special moves your character will do that put you in third person, but only temporarily. But why it has my greatest amount of attention is that you can play through a single player campaign but there are also randomized location stuff so you can keep playing after the campaign is over and you can also play co-op with your friend so if your friend happens to jump online you can say hey uh, do you want to do this story with me or you know where are you in the story and I'll, I'll follow you on your part of the story and even more than that there are what they're calling public events which are sort of these big battles. The one they've shown off so far is it's a public event, and there's sort of a dropship that comes in, and a bunch of bad guys you know, drop down into the area. And there are multiple groups fighting the public event. The thing that is coolest about this is this is all totally, completely, automatically taken care of by the system. It's always online, but if you're soloing, you're soloing, and you're by yourself. And then if your friend joins in, you know, they'll automatically be sent to where you are. And if there's a public event, you know, that's happening in the area, you get a little notice about it and you automatically can walk into it or you can just ignore it and walk right on by or walk right through it, you know, provided you don't get killed. But it's all done totally seamlessly. You don't have to look for group or whatever. You don't have to, you know, wait in a queue to get into a public event. It's all totally seamless. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, somebody blinked and missed that public event notice and didn't even know, you know, it was a public event until they saw other people, you know, in the area. There's apparently also PvP, which they haven't really talked about yet. But as per everything else with the game, you know, that's totally optional. You don't have to do PvP. You don't have to do the public events. You can just skip them. And, you know, you don't have to group. You can just solo, you know, the entire campaign content, you know, by yourself if you want to. One interesting thing they've done, which they haven't really talked about, they've more kind of implied it than anything else, is that there's going to be a ton of different guns. There are a few different classes, which they've also not really talked about, but they've talked about the style of the class. But all of the classes can use 
any of the weapons. There's nothing that's restricted, so you can always have whatever kind of weapon you favor. And apparently, when you get this weapon, it will have, you know, sort of its basic level it starts at. But as you use the weapon, as you level up your character, that weapon will also level up. So you'll get new talents to spend in the weapon, as well as, you know, getting talents to spend on your character. They haven't really detailed what happens when you level up, but it kind of sounds like they're just unlocking stuff because they've shown off, you know, in their basic sort of introduction of what Destiny is. They had like a level one player, I think it was, join a level five player. And then later in the the presentation, they showed their other friend who was level 13. So obviously players of any level can join, you know, with any other level. And, you know, the content, you know, doesn't care about that. So that's another really awesome thing. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, how much you play versus your friend. You know, you'll always be able to group with them. And that's very cool. The one thing which still is kind of a very big mystery is how exactly they will handle accounts. They've said they're targeting sort of a 10-year lifespan for Destiny. Wouldn't surprise me if it was, you know, popular enough. They kept it going even longer than that. But as such, you know, you got to wonder how are they going to handle accounts. Destiny is coming out for PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, Xbox 360, Xbox One, and they have basically stated they're not going to port it over to PC at any point in the future. So it's going to be restricted to console. But with a 10-year lifespan, you got to wonder how are the accounts going to work exactly because somebody might start on one console and then they might change over later on. In a recent developer interview, they did specifically mention, you know, somebody transferring from one to another, and it seemed like it was a seamless process. You wouldn't have to worry about losing your account and, you know, any progress your characters had made so far. But it's still kind of unclear if that means that, you know, they're going to copy over your account information to sort of a master account, which is my guess as to how they would do it. And then, you know, if they did it that way, then that would mean that, you know, the system that which is, you know, your gateway, as it were, is completely irrelevant. And anybody could group with anybody, you know, but the friends list, I suppose, would be limited by, you know, how you add the friend. Like if somebody is already added on your PlayStation Network friends, you you might see them that way. But if you meet somebody, you know, in Destiny, you might have to add them, you know, as a Destiny name. You know, I, I don't know what they're calling it, but let's call it a Destiny account name. So, you know, the friends lists might be isolated to start, but I, I would think they would have to go with a master account. But anyways, um, I am very excited about Destiny. If you were into Borderlands at all, I would think you would definitely want to keep an eye on Destiny because it looks like it's taking Borderlands to the next level, you know, because it's a persistent online thing. And they're going to, you know, be doing it for 10 years. So it looks very awesome. And sort of as a, a special note, I am also looking forward to EverQuest Next. It doesn't have a date. It's kind of behind schedule because they were kind of already expecting to have EverQuest Next landmark already out at the time of this recording, and it's not. So I think everything's sort of behind schedule. I'm hoping it's going to make it out by 2014. I don't know, though. They don't have a date. They haven't really shown off too much about EverQuest Next. 
Mostly they're focused on EverQuest Next Landmark, which is sort of like Minecraft, I guess you could say. I, I never played Minecraft. But it's basically the same world and the same engine, so people who build stuff in Landmark might, you know, be building stuff for EverQuest Next. You know, that you might build this cool castle, and they might have a contest and say, hey, build us a cool castle. And you enter it into that contest, and you win, and maybe they take, you know, the top 10 people. And they're like, okay, we're going to take this and put it into EverQuest Next. So I think a lot of the Landmark development, as it were, will go into building EverQuest Next. But basically, if you are not familiar with the EverQuest franchise, it's basically an online, massively multiplayer role-playing game. And Next looks very cool. It's got some very cool character-building features. And the animation is just insane. It looks like a Disney quality level animation, you know, in terms of the characters and how they look and how they move. So it looks just absolutely amazing. But like I said, I I don't know if it's going to make it out in 2014, but I am looking forward to it quite a bit. I played EverQuest 1 a lot, I think like a year and a half. And that was my first MMOG. I wasn't really into EverQuest 2. It just didn't feel right to me in a lot of ways, so I never played that. But EverQuest Next looks like it's sort of taking a lot of the new school elements that are used often in MOBAs, as well as sort of the old school elements they had in the original EverQuest, sort of mixing them together to get what should be a very cool MMO RPG action-y game. I'm looking forward to it quite a bit, but again, you know, not knowing the release date, it's not in my official list, but it might be something you might want to keep an eye on. So people who have listened to my recent episodes might note that 47 Ronin is missing from this podcast. I have decided that I'm going to skip it and just wait to rent it, you know, whenever it comes out on physical media. I looked at a lot of reviews and Rotten Tomatoes rated it as 13%, which the last movie they rated that badly was R.I.P.D., And, you know, thinking back to, you know, RIPD, I'm absolutely happy that, you know, I didn't spend the 20 bucks almost to see that in 3D IMAX. You know, absolutely wouldn't have been worth it. You know, the two bucks for rental, sure, that was fine. But, you know, if they're rating 47 Ronin around that same sort of level, you know, I absolutely don't want to spend that, you know, almost 20 bucks to go see it in IMAX 3D. I'll just wait and, you know, rent it. Unless I hear, you know, overwhelmingly good reviews from my friends. So far, nobody's said anything about it, so wouldn't surprise me if it was just kind of meh. So, no review for 47 Ronin, at least not yet. But, from the reviews, you might want to skip it and just rent it when it comes out, you know, on physical media. New news this time, Knights of Badassdom, which I might have mentioned before, it's sort of been held up for a really long time. It was supposed to come out, and then it had a release date, and then it didn't have a release date, and then it's just been 
sort of in limbo for a long time. But it finally has a release date of January 21st. Looks like some friends kidnap a friend of theirs and take him unknowingly to a LARP event. Live action role playing. Comedy ensues. And sometime during the event, one of them accidentally summons a real live succubus. So horrible, terrible, bad things ensue. It looks like a lot of fun and quite hilarious. I, Frankenstein is due out on January 24th. I have kind of mixed feelings on it. I'll probably go see it because it looks pretty cool. Apparently it's done by the people who did Underworld. I really liked the first Underworld, but the second and third one were just kind of meh. Especially the third one, I think it is, whatever the, the end of the series was. Sort of had a, a really strong start in a really good world and then just kind of petered out. But I don't know, uh, I Frankenstein looks like it's got a lot of cool action and a lot of nice graphics. I don't know about the story, though. It's like Frankenstein's supposed to be this super powerful, awesome guy. It's like, I don't recall anywhere where Frankenstein, well, it's, I suppose technically Frankenstein's monster, was supposed to be some kind of superhero. So, I don't know. Uh, mixed feelings. It looks interesting. I will take it for what it is and see it when it comes out. Because it looks fun and, you know, it, it should be an okay time. Hopefully it won't be too terrible. I suppose I could always check reviews before I go see it. They usually come out a couple of days before. But that is it for the news this time. So that's it for this Rabbit's Rumblings podcast. I got a couple of donations from friends for Christmas time. And a friend sent the headphones that I mentioned, I think, before. I haven't gotten them yet at the time of this recording, so I will probably do my review-type ramblings next time. But I thought I would get out the podcast early because I didn't really have a whole lot to talk about. So I thought I'd get it to you guys before New Year's in case, you know, you didn't have anything going on on New Year's night. You could listen to my rambling and, you know, at least have that. So hopefully everybody will have a fun New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and, you know, good New Year's. And hopefully I will see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. Well, I was 21. It was a very good year. Very good year for city girls who lived up the stair with perfumed hair that came undone when I was 21. I'm not sure on that one. Might need to delete this part. And we will see how cool... And we will see what... I I shall be interested in hearing your description, Captain.
You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at rabbitdotcom. It's rabbit.com, but with not a period. When you type rabbit's ramblings, don't use the space. And be sure to put the number one in place of I whenever you type rabbit. Rabbit's ramblings is copyright 2013 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.